0: Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards the, like, some
1: greater purpose? We're the only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. this is Michael Mann, and I ride with Extended Clip.
2: Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 70. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill.
0: I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White.
2: And we're getting spooky with it this month, folks. It's October. You know what that means. We're doing at least one horror movie every week, I think. Uh, Something like that. But our double feature this week is The Lords of Salem, the 2012 film by Rob Zombie, and Airheads, the 1994 film by Michael Lemon. Lemon?
0: I don't know how to say it. More like Michael Lemon. It's a
2: film by Brendan Fraser. Let's be realistic here, folks.
0: Yeah, his uh, his long hair. You know, that's uh, I want to grow my hair out to a, where I look like uh, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh,
2: dude, I never realized that was a, a longtime friend of mine. Uh, we we could call him friend of the Pod Ponytail on Letterboxd. That's his avatar, and I never knew what it was from. I was like, damn.
0: I think I think he should bring it back. I think he'd be prime for like romance movies, yeah. like a lifetime. I know he needs some money, so let's I, get him. You know, let's, let's grow that hair out, get him some rolls. Full disclosure: all three of the Extended Boys,
2: uh, rocking hair down to the shoulders at this point we're getting in our hippie mode Mm -hmm. and uh so we are we do have a little bit of a long hair bias on
0: this show (laughs) well sandler with the buzz cut is also killing it too so hey we're we're diplomatic
1: (laughs) i kind of feel like if i let my facial hair grow i I would look greasy like buscemi does
0: (laughs) that's a cool i mean like i said i'm a a neck beard so i can't even grow a beard i got yeah it's a sore subject
2: the lords of salem (laughs) 2012 film, and uh, I described it very flippantly last week as a film that has a scary record, and uh, <laughs> I, I regret that now because now I think there, there's going to be a box at my door tomorrow with a, a wooden box with a SD card with a scary podcast on it.
0: And <laughs> it's going to kill me. I feel like I don't know if you were to describe this movie in one sentence. That's not a bad attempt, though. I guess it's, it's a, it is a spooky song.
2: Yeah. They fucked up the Lords of Salem is a film starring Sherry hey, Zombie. Uh, uh, Heidi, a shock jock. Uh, that is a shocking rock and roll disc jockey yeah, right. uh, that has an addiction problem, and uh, you know it, it's kind of sprinkled in throughout the film. There's a there's a scene where you hear uh, the ongoings of one of these uh, recovery meetings while she's walking down the street and. You know, uh, then partway through the film, you realize that the the witchcraft that's brewing, the mm-hmm. the satanic panic in the apartment is kind of an allegory
0: for addiction. Yeah. And uh, it becomes a lot more scary. Personal demons manifesting. I mean, I, I couldn't help. This is just a cheap erlichian comparison. But with, you know, rehab subplots, you know, the casting of his actual wife, you know, kind of like these surreal cutaway scenes. I can't help think that Tommaso is Abel Ferrara's Lords of Salem.
2: I, I, I thought you were going to say this is his Abel Ferrara film, but yeah, it, it's the yeah. same thing. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, I mean, Lords of Salem came out first. That's true. Respect seniority. <laughs> <laughs> Had
2: you seen this one before?
1: Uh, no. Or any Rob Zombie? Well, I have <laughs> seen one zombie picture that, like, cute. I mean, it's dog shit terrible. It's his animated movie, The Haunted World of El Super Superbisto, and, uh, it's, like, about, like, some horny luchador, like, superhero who's, like... I think at the beginning he's, like, directing a porn. I mean, it has, like, uh some things that I was expecting from from Zombie in Lords of Salem, like his love of the cinema. And there's a lot of, like, old horror movie references littered in there. And there's, like, uh I think Paul Giamatti plays the devil in it. But it's, like, just... The worst, like sex jokes, um, but I knew that one was going to be his whiff, and so I was very excited to see Lords of Salem, and it didn't disappoint.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think this is a this is a crazy movie that moves at kind of like a nice slow pace, and it really has an emphasis of mood, and it, it paints the uh, does a real good job um, emphasizing the town and kind of just you know as you know like do the right thing as a summer movie. I feel like this is such a rich winter movie in terms of like texture and everything like that. So yeah, I feel like this is like, I love Rob Zombie. I like, uh, devil's rejects 31, but I feel like this is kind of him ascending kind of like his, his cinema fetishism, like his seventies horror fetishism and kind of making something a little bit more mature, but also still, you know, not taking away any of the insanity that he trends towards in his movie, just kind of weaving it in, in a more thoughtful way than, you know, kind of the abrasive, like aggressively transgressive nature that he usually goes for,
2: and we brought up Abel Ferrara earlier, and I think the addiction uh, Abel Ferrara's horror addiction parable is a more useful, almost a more useful comparison than Tommaso. And we don't need to. Uh, <laughs> it's have all a, good. We it's don't need good. to have a usefulness contest, but. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Uh, I, I think that both of these films kind of use a city as a place where, or in this case, you know, Salem, I guess would be a town, uh, but using that area and it's rich history of evil and, uh you know, trauma and all of that fun stuff that's in horror movies and like bringing it all through one person who, you know, uh, I guess they have the control over the town at one very small uh, part of the day as a radio jockey, you know, you you have so much power. We have so much power (laughs) as broadcasters. We could put out a spell if we want to, but uh, regardless of all that, Uh, I think that the way that it, like, collapses history of, like, witch stuff, uh, (laughs) you know, actual local history with mythology and film history, obviously going back way to the start of genre cinema as her wallpaper above her bed is the George Melies uh, trip to the moon, moon with the eye poked out or whatever. (laughs)
0: The guy's not poked out. I don't know. I, I mean, the a eyes missile are missile in the eye. Yeah, that's what it is.
1: Uh, <laughs> poked out by a missile. You're not wrong.
0: <laughs> I well, I guess let's let's get into the plot. Heidi, you know, she's a she works for, you know, a shock jock group and she randomly gets this record that uh you know really disturbs her and uh makes her kind of think of the traumas of uh witchhood back in the day. And we, they play this song on the radio and pretty much the, the women of Salem are feeling the same things that Heidi is. While at the meantime, you know, she deals, you know, she falls deeper and deeper into her addiction. Gives great concern to everyone around her.
2: And so she lives in this apartment where her landlord has these two ladies uh, that she says are their si- her sisters. Totally different accents. Look totally different. <laughs> uh, love that. And they just like torture her with like palm reading at first and then uh, more fucked up demonic shit as the film goes on. And it turns out that they're the, you know, uh, three, you know, women that are part of this prophecy or some bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I say bullshit lightly there. Yeah, uh, lovingly. But I I think the first like, 30 minutes or so is masterful at setting all of these different threads up you know you get the cold open of her I guess maybe coming home from rehab or something she's taking a car ride and it, uh, you you cut to the goat and you get the the ritual and then the, the title card and then back to back into her life and you know you establish a little bit about the home life you get a great work scene before they play the scary record on air a really great scene just going through the motions of a talk radio shift and ending the best way, you know, how else are you going to cap off a long night of doing racist voices and sound effects <laughs> but with Rush's spirit of radio and I, I, I'll i tell you what folks I have never been more excited about the band Rush than both times I've watched <laughs> this movie.
1: Okay, are we done yet? Radio. I know I am. Good God let's get that out of here.
2: It's Monday so you know what that oh means, ladies choice. In other words
1: Rush, Rush. Woo!
0: I like the way the the film sequences the events, like you do get a a look look at like her full day and then pretty much from there on out, like everything kind of happens towards the end of the day at night, you know, with some exceptions, you know, some, some sunlight peeking into the bedroom type scenes. But yeah, I mean, I think it really helps add to this dark atmosphere that really benefits from like the way it uh, shoots light, you know, this, the texture of this movie and like kind of the horizontal gleam of all the lights and just kind of the the overwhelming darkness in every room, especially the, the apartment setting is, is so uh, masterfully done in, in terms of pro- production design, kind of like the cheap wallpaper mm-hmm. and the abrasive lights. And it's just, it's a real... Uh, depressing atmosphere
2: yeah i think i mean zombie completely goes off visually with this but the way that there's a one uh tracking shot through the hallway approaching her and you know that decrepit wallpaper just warping on the sides of the cinemascope frame that zombies framing so expertly throughout this whole movie it's really gorgeous
1: yeah, I mean, I was really taken aback by, like, how still and slow it was. I mean, with that, like, framing, there are a lot of moments where it just, like, really focuses in on an image. And I remember, like, um, the only time I really encountered zombies filmmaking when I was younger was just, like, seeing stuff on cable and just being, like, very horrified by it and just being like, this is this is the tough shit. This is for the real boys. <laughs> and, uh, like, I was... I I was surprised to see that type of like gruesomeness that like really struck me as a child like mixed with like this slow pace where it's like it's still like terrifying where you'll see like a a frame that has like a dead body just off to the side or like you'll see the shadowy presence of like a furry satanic beast and uh, it mixes that level of like calm with unease so well.
2: And I was going to call it a running bit, the, the those people you see at the end of each segment, because I think a lot of the scares in this, like in the hands of another com- or on paper, feel like comedic scenes almost. You know, the first time that you get an inkling that something's going on in apartment number five, you know, uh, it's supposedly the new tenant and uh, she just like sherry moon zombie you know says hey to her and the woman just ignores her and shuts the door and you know if it wasn't for the way that zombie shot and cut that with the very ominous score behind it it's just kind of like an austere
0: comedic scene of just like your
2: neighbor looking at you and then going back inside kind of no
0: definitely i mean i feel like what makes some of these images disturbing scary or just striking are kind of like the lack of context we're given Mm -hmm. when shown them and kind of you're right. The The music is really well done in this movie. And, you know, Rob Zombie, a musician, you know, he should uh, should be able to get <laughs> <My> that down.
2: <laughs> Speaking of music, the, the needle drops through and through are God-tier. I mean, you get blinded by the light in the beginning <laughs> as she wakes up. Uh, and then you get the Velvet Underground uh, song from the first album. What, what song is it called again? Uh, All Tomorrow's Parties? Yeah. Uh, or no, you get two songs. Yeah, you get, one at the end. You get All Tomorrow's Parties at the end, but... Th- uh, Venus and Furs? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Kind of not a great move to play that for your addict friend. Yeah. Some heroin <laughs>
2: Well, that's the thing. Yeah. He says, is it too obvious? You know? And mm. then I, I think there's multiple readings to that because she like kind of jokingly shrugs and like walks over to him after that, dances over to him, like kind of mimicking the way he dances. And frankly, folks, I guess that is how white people dance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess it could mean whether or not he was trying to like seduce her, strangely mm-hmm. enough, or just like, here, let's get fucked up, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, there's that's a good relationship, Heidi and Herman. I think is that guy's name. You know, no monster, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's a perfect balance of like kind of like the weird, like ambiguous, like almost type, uh, almost relationship that almost becomes sexual, but really just how she it kind of fades away when she ups her drug use, and you kind of have that sad scene of him calling her by like a an, like an ocean dock or something, and it's just a it's just a sad time. Yeah,
2: feeling like Manchester by the Sea in that scene. Like, Jesus,
0: I feel like this movie does a lot of small things, you know, so well that where it's like, it's like watch this instead of Manchester by the Sea, yeah. watch this instead of Suspiria, watch this instead instead you know, of Radio Days, <laughs> instead of Radio days. <laughs> <laughs> instead of <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Just which kidding, was the folks. R- initial yeah. film I wanted to
2: pair with this way back as Radio Days three, but you know, yeah, we're we're, we're sticking with our buddies Brendan Fraser and Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> I think the set design, like the further you get into this film, the more detail is exposed and the more you're just kind of blown away by it. You know, you explore apartment number five and you see that giant red neon cross that she just puts her hands up toward (laughs) and just the energy flowing through it is pure fucking demonic. You know, it's incredible that scene, you know. Uh, and all of those scenes where it cuts to those, you know, the the Salem witch trial stuff. Uh, usually, when she's listening to the record, and it cuts away to that, it's just fucking disgusting. The yeah. scene where she gives birth to the baby while uh, she's getting stabbed, yeah. and then the witch just starts spitting on the baby—like one of the nastiest things I've ever seen.
1: Oh, uh, the horrifying jacking off too. I feel like uh, that was that, funny. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but I feel like no, that was only funny. <laughs> It's just uh, I don't know there're very few times I've seen jacking off be unsettling <laughs> like that.
0: I feel like the priest blowjob job scene is a bit more oh, unsettling yeah. just because of the graphicness of it. And just like that that is what's great about this movie. Zombie gets to remain nasty. He gets to remain, you know, uh, fucking gross as shit as what he loves to do. Even like that scene where uh she's kind of attacked by those demon doctors, you kind of see him falling into his very like Uh, haphazard and like shaky style of the cameras. He's He really gets a chance to exercise a lot of uh, different styles here in in very like uh, succinct ways, you know, just very like short three to five minute scenes where he's trying something out stylistically.
2: And the the running bit, as I said earlier, uh, that I was going to say was like the, because the structure of this film, you know, you get a title card for each day, kind of, and the end of each day is punctuated by one of these beings one of these creatures kind of lurking in the background with sherry moon zombie oblivious to it you know and i think it gets scarier each time pretty much like the first time it's just a like demonic looking lady in the bathroom mirror that she walks by and it's like that was kind of funny to me honestly uh and then by the end of it i'm just terrified
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah like when i first saw the demonic lady like it is it's not i guess i don't think it's funny but i don't think it's like necessarily scary either but it's just like what's What's going on? Because there's a lot of different like demon goblin looking creatures that attack and they don't exactly come back in the end to have like some exact meaning, but we just have a world infested with demons.
2: The small devil, the like three foot five, huge beer belly demon looking dude is, that is a scary creature if I've ever seen it. Like Mm -hmm. there are so many like strangely terrifying things in this film. Uh, The finale of which is, the, the Lords of Salem, who sent the record, the scary record, uh, they are holding a show, and it's in like a concert hall in Boston, I guess, and there's like 10 people there, <laughs> uh, social distance style, you know, sitting 10 uh, seats uh, uh. apart from each other, uh, and it turns out to just be a ceremony ceremony. Uh, for the man we love him, we know him. That red boy downstairs, the <laughs> <da laughs> devil.
1: <laughs> oh man, that gruesome, like rotisserie chicken style baby is like that's just another horrifying critter involved yeah. in this.
2: So it goes into like this very strange temporal realm where I, I, it almost feels like she's like backstage at that theater. Yeah. Uh, when there's those three. What are they, like satanic priests, I guess, that are jacking off? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're jacking off behind her. So you just see this mountain of death surrounding her, and you think she's part of it too, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because she's giving herself over in this way to these three uh, witch ladies, uh, as they refer to themselves.
0: Don't they call themselves cunts at one point? Yeah. <laughs> three, cunt. three cunts do a great job in this movie, and kind of like oh yeah, carry, carry the section where like uh, Sherry... Moon Zombie is kind of just slumped on her couch for like 20 minutes. We, we get a, a lot of them doing some activities, and it's just wonderful. Wonderful I, actresses.
2: I love that one of them just isn't scary at all. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> the best part. Like, the landlord is kind of ominous. Yeah. And then you get the crazy lady who yeah. is almost like Grace Zabriskie in the beginning of Inland Empire. Definitely. Uh, her palm reading is very similar to that. And then you get the lady who's just like, oh, I made chocolate chip scones. Yeah. She's just uh, like uh, Albert Brooks's mom. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. She's the muscle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's funny because in terms of the timeline of this film, it almost has like a normal narrative thing where there's like eight minutes or so left and it feels like all is lost and she's given herself over. And it's all just like, I don't want to say stream of conscious editing, but it's such a fluid uh, montage that kind of wraps up this yeah. film that I can't even describe. You just have to watch it. Literally, just a mm. sequence of insanely horrifying images. <laughs> yeah. Uh, And then, uh, you know, her eyes are all white, and it's a white background, and she's ascending. And uh, I guess it was a good thing all of that just happened. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then you get a nice
0: shot of her with her dog, seemingly like sober. So strange that that last uh, inserting of the the dog. You know, her playing with the dog. I think that's just pure wife love yeah. right there. I, I guess that it has something to do with the narrative. Well, I, mean, just...
1: I think with what you're talking about, Eddie, earlier about how Zombie is like collapsing history there and like sort of combining these elements of like old Salem, like the town itself, like the people involved, it's intertwining like uh Heidi's like personal history to it. And then I like how they we get that little note immediately after that where it's sort of like the like the news retelling yeah, of it.
2: Which I also like because he's skirting that bullshit day after last scene of so many horror movies where Mm -hmm. it's like, just end with the climax. We don't need to see the sirens coming in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So he does that as a post-credit thing, like over the credits kind of, just the audio. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great choice.
0: I think so too. Yeah, I mean, hey, maybe it's a, you know, I think he's he's succinct, right? Maybe that's him being a music video director. I think that's also why a lot of the production design is so rich and like a lot of those, Witch burning scenes or there's I think the scene where she looks at the red co- cross and I think she's saying like the devil or something like that Like just zombie knows how to uh, frame some flames. Yeah. He knows how to work with the flames And uh, you know, I'm, I haven't seen the dragula music video, but I bet there's some flames. In it's that. pretty fucking cool <laughs> <laughs> I guess also just another point the 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 kind of the sequence the of random images that kind of climaxes the movie i feel like i he was the way he was using inserts in this movie you know kind of like the neon jesus sign or just other like kind of like neon signs it's just really masterful transitions same with his crossfades too just some some real controlled filmmaking here
2: and it's truly like the most shocking cut in this to me still is like the intro like Advertisement for the Shock Jock team early yeah. on in the film—that was insane.
0: Heidi Laroque,
2: you're such a Huh? I love that advertisement; it's so funny. Uh, and uh, to go back to the radio stuff, you know that. They shout out uh, Dig Boston, the employee of Friend of the Pod, Jake Mulligan, <laughs> or employer rather. Uh, they also uh, play a little Smash or Trash, which was a game that, uh, not Friend of the Pod, Idol of the Pod, Tom Sharpling, uh, used to play early on in his days. And he played that game with a lot of up and coming bands, one of which being Titus Andronicus, who some of the f- some listeners of the pod may be fans of, if you're from the <laughs> Philadelphia rock and roll community. <laughs> um i don't know someone posted a titus andronicus link in the discord and i was like Smash or trash best show 2003 i remember i listened to it <laughs> i think it was 2005
0: but yeah that's pure podcast knowledge yeah. coming to roost i went rain man mode
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> parroting the shock jock type yeah. atmosphere in the movies you know they get to say certain racial jokes pre- press <laughs> buttons that make boing noises <laughs> like you know press a clip that's like hey stop looking at my tits yeah so yeah. we're just we're just a homer we're...
1: simpson doe
0: <laughs> speaking of smasher
2: trash though if you want to send us your record your demo <laughs> <Yeah>. your <laughs> podcast uh, we'll do it we'll play it on air we'll do a little smasher trash <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're trying to expand you know what this podcast can be what this podcast can do is it a record label is it a you know is it a a hub for artists like a bohemian type you know setting where artists can develop, you know, who knows?
2: You heard it first. (laughs) Extended clip is the new bohemian (laughs) (laughs) Grove. i'm giving this one four bullets i think it's like really terrifying and also very sad in terms of it as an addiction story you know uh even if it has a somewhat optimistic note at the end the image of her with the dog it kind of feels more like she's giving herself over to addiction and just going down that rabbit hole because also in that post credit thing they say that her uh she's missing you know so maybe that shot is just like
0: a oh remember how how nice it was with her dog well she's dead so yeah, I don't know exactly what that shot means, but yeah. hey, that's a keep them guessing, yeah. right? Now, I'm going to go four and a half bullets. This rewatch really affected me, and I feel like the way the movie climaxes and just kind of like compounds on like the kind of imagery it was working with before into like this explosive ending just really, you know, caught me off guard in a sense. I didn't remember the ending being this money, and now I was just enjoying it uh, all throughout. And you know what? We've been watching a lot of comedies lately. You know, a lot of Brooks Brothers, a lot of you know, scary movies. You know, shout out to the Patreon, but um, well, not scary movies. You know, the scary movie. You know, four, three parody type <laughs> stuff. Uh, 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 but I was ready for some genuine horror and zombie delivered. He uh, he, what what would you, he fed my Craven, you know, appetite for disgusting, you know, images and uh, sadness. Shout so, out West Craven, R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> JT. I um, need your opinion on this one.
1: <laughs> I, I'm also giving it four bullets, like Eddie. I think there are a lot of really beautiful images that Rob Zombie left me with that I'm going to be thinking about for a while. I mean, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie's uh, white girl dreads for sure. That's going to stick in my head for a while. Best Um, white woman
0: with dreads. (laughs) living yeah sherry moon zombie without a doubt one of the wakowskis has white
2: Oh, true true (laughs) they both get the pass and for no real reason (laughs) yeah you know yeah we'll have to do a list (laughs) I do say that they get the pass but it is for no reason. (laughs) Uh, 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 talent talent gets
1: the pass (laughs) um But the image of her on top of, like, the corpses of all those women that's at the end, that is, like, seared into my brain is just, like, terrifying and beautiful. But I like, in terms of it being, like, an addiction story, how the movie, like, commingles with Christianity and sort of, like, looking through it, like... Uh, the addiction lens how like a lot of people I feel like because recovery is oftentimes so pushed as like a heavily Christian thing and like a place where she could like legitimately get help both for the addiction and like the demonic forces. She sort of pushed away throughout and like repulsed by it. And I like that that's present there. Yeah.
0: She found a new higher power you know what I mean? <laughs> it's for my AA heads. Yeah. <laughs>
2: And if you want a new higher power, you know, you could DM me 15 for the gram, 35 for the age.
0: (laughs) Deutize us for a small fee. (laughs) Uh, We'll be right back on Extended Clip to
2: talk about airheads.
1: Nothing out of this world, really. No big deal. Play it again. We're um, ready. <laughs> I always feel like like a Playboy model, like lying yeah, on true. this bed like this. I mean, it's like I can make direct eye contact with you, Malcolm, yeah. but I'm just like it does look yeah. like
0: Eddie's painting you, <laughs> like like a, a muse, so to speak. And
2: we're back on extended clip. Uh, before we get to the middle segment, you know, we had a big week on the Patreon, uh, and we're gonna have another one. I gotta say. <laughs> Two dollars a month, Patreon.com/slash Extended Clip. Right now, you can go there, and what 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 will they see if they go there right now?
0: Well, they're gonna see a review we did of Battle in Heaven, <laughs> Carlos uh transgressive film about a uh, Catholicism in Mexico and you know kidnapping babies it's and getting a, your dicks up on camera. <laughs> yeah, it's a real action filled romp. No, no, it's a, it's a. We, we broke it down in the Patreon, but upcoming, we're going to break down Scary Movie, and we did a lot of homework for this one. We oh, watched, boy, did we. We watched, like, five parody movies each, <laughs> and we're we're in full parody mode.
2: I made a chart. Last time I drew, like, a diagram of any kind was for Sully. Uh, I, I busted out the diagrams again. JT and I both.
1: Yeah, this is the most work I've ever done for the podcast, and, like... Uh, we haven't recorded it yet, but it's either going to be <laughs> the dumbest things I've ever said before or the best and smartest. So you're going to want to tune in for that. Either way, it's going to be entertaining.
2: Patreon.com slash extended clip.
1: It's two bucks.
2: Welcome back to Extended Clip. It's Malcolm in the Middle, everybody's favorite segment.
0: <laughs> Maybe, said that with, the, <laughs> <laughs> said that with a little we, spice I think we, on that. I think we can honestly afford to drop this segment. <laughs> <song. laughs> No way, yeah, dude. Uh, 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 no, the heart of the show. <laughs> I no. get it. You you're scared of the spotlight. <laughs> um, no, Eddie, no I'm not. Um, and I'll go first <laughs> just to prove it. I, you know, I watched a movie this week. Red River by Howard Hawks. How's that for you? And this is kind of a strange movie. It's kind of like a movie about John Wayne just adopting this boy with a cow and then, you know, raising each other, you know, raising a good beef hand a man you're going to hand off your beef company to and then you know times grow tough john has to head west or south you know he has to hit the road and he has to take all his cattle with him. and it's just there's kind of like a slowness to this you know uh this hawks movie i I mean i love the way it's shot to kind of like these very uh emphasis on like some you know dark shadows on you know profiles of figures and you know of course the beautiful landscape shots and I don't know. It's it was it really. I kind of like it more than you know. Maybe some of his his classic classics. I know this is pretty high regarded, but uh, yeah, really like this movie. I guess
2: some people don't like the ending. I remember. I remember there was a big spat over that on Twitter like last year. Cause like, the, get over the, it. Yeah, it's a, it's a good
0: movie. Yeah, no, I like. I like the end. I think the ending actually has like a, a levity to it that that is a very unique kind of like them just kind of dropping their aggression towards each other. You know, just because. You know, you love a woman. Hey, shut up and enjoy the movie. Stop reading the comments.
1: No, it has uh, one of my favorite like Western character actors, Walter Brennan, yes. as the original Groot. That's
0: true. <laughs> hey, Marvel, shove it. <laughs> we got the original
2: Groot. <laughs> Brennan kills it in that one. I mean, like he he's obviously good in that one, but that's a particularly uh, nice dosage of Walter Brennan ownage in that film uh also the the verticality of the like the landscapes is crazy in that one i mean i don't know maybe i had only because i remember watching that one early on and i'd seen a lot of like widescreen westerns you know the mm-hmm. later ones uh so I, I remember just being stunned by like how tall uh, those those landscape shots felt and the way that hawks approached that stuff It was what a classic <laughs>
0: Hawks that's a classic man right there. He,
2: oh my god, he's got <laughs> the gi- he's the Jidetta of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a classic man. You can be me when you live. <laughs> what did you watch this week JT? <laughs>
1: um I want
0: I'm so glad we introduced Jidetta <laughs> <of> the week. <laughs> yeah. our new, our, everyone's favorite new segment. Cue <laughs> classic man, play that. Real yeah.
1: <laughs> I watched uh, 1986's Armor of God by Jackie Chan, and this is a crazy flick from Jackie, uh, the man known for pushing his body to the limits. Uh, this one, I think he almost died. I was reading he like fell like 15 feet, like jumping like from a building to a tree, and like cracked his like fucking skull. Uh, I think like suffered like hearing loss among like some other uh, okay? side effects. He he made some more <laughs> movies after that. <laughs> I'm so, that's, like, uh, impressive to me in its own because it's, like, I fall and break my noggin. Like, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of the movie biz. That's enough for me to pack it in. But this flick is really crazy. It's, like, uh, Jackie Chan doing, like, Indiana Jones, like, a style character, but he also used to be a member of, like, or, like, and is just generally friends with now, like, this rock and roll group. Um, and he used... He used to date um the female lead in the group um but now one of the other members is bone her and ah. like she gets kidnapped by like these satanists and then uh the current boyfriend teams up with Jackie Chan the ex-boyfriend to like find her back and there's just some really fucking great action scenes in this I posted a little clip on twitter but like there's a part where like there are these like crazy like female demons that come up and he just like punches he accidentally because jackie chan is a gentleman <laughs> uh, but he accidentally just punches one of them like square in the titties both fists <laughs> and then says sorry about it which is awesome that's, it's
0: yeah that's the combination of uh, accidentally punching a girl and accidentally touching you know her breasts it's like that's, super bad yeah <laughs> that's double embarrassment
2: yeah, you know, i i felt very uh, i felt very attached to that scene. You know, I, I've dealt with a lot of uh, 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 female demons in my days. They're called my ex wives. <laughs> <laughs> I got four of them, folks.
1: Yeah, and a fifth one called alimony. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Eddie? Have you watched any good movies this week, or maybe bad
2: movie? Well, I did watch a lot of bad movie, and that was scary movie. You know, all those. Uh, but we'll get to that. And you know what? Scary movie. It's not, it's not bad. Uh, I think but it's good. There are some bad ones, though. Yeah. Yeah. But I watched a good one, Con Air, 1997. Simon West is the director, the real auteur, being uh, like a split credit between Jerry Bruckheimer and Nicolas Cage, you know? Uh, not, not to besmirch any Simon West auteurists out there. You know... It's a it's a reactionary tendency to be all, uh, oh man. The movies that they, they won't make anymore. You know, mm-hmm. this one quite literally post nine eleven cannot happen. You know, <laughs> maybe now we've gone far enough where like that story can be done again, but like the filmmaking obviously won't be the same. You remember how hype I got when the plane crashed into the building in Tenet?
0: Absolutely. You were there. <laughs> you were in the car with me. <laughs> uh, Eddie Eddie just did a second take. He said Dunkirk before.
1: <laughs> He got it wrong. Yeah, it's a Dunkirk.
2: <laughs> this is a movie where a plane carries a car like through the fucking <laughs> air. It, it's amazing. And the car has a, a custom license plate that says "As kicker. And you got Nicolas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich as Cyrus the Virus, uh, Ving Rhames, Steve Buscemi, among others. I mean, Dave Chappelle is on the plane, folks. Come on. This high concept script landed in the right hands at the right time in Hollywood to be as much of a bozo classic as it possibly could be. You know, Mm -hmm. like a lot of the stuff you might say is quote unquote dumb, but it's exactly what you want in a Hollywood spectacle driven action movie with a cavalcade of stars like this and there's a guy named Cyrus the Virus. Like if Cyrus the Virus is the bad guy in a movie, <laughs> you're not allowed to complain about the movie
0: being dumb. You know? Yeah, exactly. It sounds like all the Hollywood stars aligned for that picture.
2: Yeah, I mean, he goes Sully mode uh in the sense that he has to land, he has to do a forced Las Vegas strip landing. <laughs> Within the last like 40 minutes or so of this film, there's more practical explosions than you will see in a summer slate of blockbusters these years Uh, that's what i meant to say true yeah a little peek behind the curtain third take on that one
0: yeah no more plane crashing into like building movies unless you're literally making a 9-11 movie well i mean our friend Uwe bull got away with it true did he i think the industry punished him he can't even he can't even have a letterboxd account he's banned from letterboxd what gives
2: free him the the sentimental you know family through line here sure it's very uh conservative and maybe that's pointing to where hollywood was at at the time it's not like you know we we see 9-11 as this like culture reset into deep conservatism but it was there before it was just waiting to hit the final kill switch you know yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back on extended
0: <laughs> you like working here man we're down, man.
1: Hendrix was God.
0: You wanna take a step back?
1: you standing on my dick, man.
2: Yeah, I seen that. Anthrax and Public Enemy, that was out of control, man. Together,
0: you know. You catch that one, Jake?
1: Don't call me G my life. <laughs> I, all I fucking care about, man, is rock and roll now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I've been listening t- uh, to Russ Never Sleeps a lot this it's week. One Ooh. of the best albums and ever. I'm, I'm, so you know, good. really, really. It's it, It's caught me off guard, and yeah, I'm, I'm rock and roll, never die pilled, you know. Yeah,
2: dude, I... <laughs> I've been going on my very slow chronological journey through the discography of Neil Young mm-hmm. from the Buffalo Springfield days, uh, and I just hit "Rust Never Sleeps" in the beginning of quarantine. And I watched Ooh. the film, and you know that was my first listen of the album was through that film. And I've been listening to that album pretty much every day since April. Yeah, it's, it's truly one of the best albums ever. And yeah, uh, yeah Powderfinger just like mm-hmm.
0: every time. True. Yeah, I love. I mean, I love the electric guitar. V- or my my hey hey. Oh, the last rather. One. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. Real smart album. Real classic rock talk
2: on extended. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. You
0: love it. The new format of the show. We're switching formats. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: we're back to talk about Airheads, the 1994 film by Michael Layman. Yeah, I think that's right. I think yeah. That's a... So he's like the layman.
0: Yeah, and he gets. Yeah, nah, not I'm like gonna, that no, it's no, no, no. Late, like, he's like a man. lay person yeah yeah true like a normal guy yeah
2: yeah that's what he's trying to give off but he's actually a hollywood elite yeah
0: <laughs> don't fall for their tricks or watch their movies <laughs>
2: <laughs> what is airheads well uh the lone rangers are a hard rock and roll band uh in the hollywood sunset strip 90s hard rock hair metal scene fronted by brendan Fraser. Uh, with the rhythm section of Steve Buscemi as Rex and Adam Sandler the drummer as uh, Pip, and we should say also Brendan Fraser's character is named uh, Chaz Darby, which I feel like is a like just two steps away from like Darby Crash, you know, from the Germs. The the screenwriter wrote that down, flipped it did like two moves of an anagram or whatever it was like yeah that's
0: the name you put that into a name generator exactly. wu-tang clan name generator
2: exactly what's your punk name <laughs>
0: extendedclip.com slash quiz slash what's
2: slash your slash punk name <laughs> go fill it out now <laughs> report back with the results in the discord what character from airheads are you Uh, So the Lone Rangers hijack a rock radio station to get their demo tape heard after being shut out at uh, every other avenue towards success so far. Um, Whether it's the fault of the cops or the station's employees or their equipment or the band and their personal issues, the demo tape is never heard over the air despite the very lengthy hostage situation that escalates to near riot proportions. And while the ending isn't exactly like a, a positive outcome for what their goals were, uh, you know the relationships were mended and rock and roll won once again, <laughs> <laughs> or did it?
0: I don't know. It, it poses a lot of questions. True. Well, I think I not to let's not go too deep, but uh, I mean those those uh, discussion scenes between like Joe Mantinega and Brendan Fraser about like the state of rock music seems to hint at like. Something more, this movie's a little bit more serious than I thought it was going to be. Like, Mm -hmm. you see the Mm -hmm. cover, it's like Sandler, Buscemi, and Fraser like peeking their head through a door. You're like, it's gonna be some goofy stuff. And there's plenty of goofy stuff. But like, it is trying to say something here. I don't don't know exactly, no. I don't, you know.
1: It says some things very, very quietly. The stuff with race in particular, where I think it has something of like an interesting note where it's like, Oh, throughout the history of rock and roll music, a lot of it is like white guys appropriating like black music and black culture. Mm -hmm. And I think it gets at that like a few times or like um, in just pure bozo scenes where it's like Sandler... Um, is talking to that black woman and is like, oh, I listen to a lot of rap music. And I like feel about your plight, <laughs> and it's like I, I have empathy for that situation. And of course, the classic uh, Brendan Fraser shouting uh, Rodney King during that uh, riot sequence—just
2: yeah, incredible. Brendan Fraser, fist in the air, on top of a cop car, chanting Rodney King. <laughs> just what is going on, folks? <laughs> uh, this is this was a fun movie. though. Yeah, I, yeah. I liked it. it, it has some issues for sure uh not exactly the most well-directed thing in the world michael layman this is probably his best movie I, i'm not a heathers fan by any mm. measure oh he also did 40 days and 40 nights which we've talked about on the podcast before <laughs> the the pure star power the wattage is through the roof you know and, yeah. and this is just such a great ensemble and uh yeah, I don't know. You get Steve Buscemi introduced working at the toy store, uh, the Sandman in a crop top getting off his shift at the, the pool cleaning job, and uh, Brendan Fraser getting kicked out of his girlfriend's apartment with her throwing his stuff out of the window like dirty work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like a fun 90s comedy. Like I feel like these kind of kind of crime comedy, high concept things, don't really happen anymore because it's also slightly low stakes you know they use uh, toy guns uh, filled with hot sauce and uh, of course there's a great gag toward the end where Brendan fraser is squirting a burrito with the gun yeah Um, an extended clip pantheon image right there
0: i was gonna say that is that is a great you know i I do agree with you this movie's not well directed and it kind of feels like almost kind of like an assorted goodie bag rather than like a know coherent thing sometimes but that scene where yeah uh, Fraser's thinking about what to do next you know whether he's gonna go to jail for a long time and you see like these colorful police lights by him and he's squirting hot sauce on his burrito it's just what a you know what a mood that's being created well yeah and I I just
2: talked about Con Air and the the studio competency of the 90s like Mm -hmm. Michael Lemon doesn't I don't think inject any real personality or flair into this film but it's a nice enough looking picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the set is, you know, well explored. The radio station set—they have a lot of fun rating the CDs and the tickets, and you know, uh, the the cart where you have all your your records carted up. Uh, if you're a real DJ like me, I have my cart beside me right here.
0: <laughs> no hard drives when we DJ—pure <laughs> vinyl, pure scratching.
2: Adam Sandler's performance is so, like, understated in this, even though he gets a couple moments to really goof off, which I really like. There's a moment where uh, when the cops first approach the situation and he kind of plays a little mirror gag with him where they're walking back and forth kind of toward his car, back to the door, and then he just does a goofy dance. And it's like, all right, Sandman's having fun.
0: No, yeah, that mo- that moment really did stand out to me. I'm like, Sandman's beginnings, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just the genesis of the Sandman. And I kind of like... Yeah, it is interesting to see him before his, you know, empire, before, you know, Happy Madison is, you know, erected. But yeah, him kind of playing like third fiddle here is Mm -hmm. kind of interesting, kind of like a dumb, hot guy. It's kind of, you know, it's a change of pace that you you don't usually see from Sandler and you know, he does a good job.
1: Yeah, I was surprised. This is my first time seeing Sandler like doing like a minor thing and just like how like, well, like he doesn't have to go as high for the performance and just sort of let like, I don't know, Frasier do his thing.
2: Brendan Fraser, uh is really good in this film. He just has such a blank look on his face. <laughs> I, you know, we've already used the B word quite a few times in this film, but I think there is, you know, maybe no greater Bozo of 90s cinema then Brendan Fraser uh, just pure caveman instinct uh, guiding him through his rock and roll journey you know
1: i mean i think it like that his performance alone is able to sell like them saying like dick cheese and like butt head all the time
0: Get in the truck dingus
1: i mean i think the romantic plot that he has is probably the weakest and just like most inessential part of mm-hmm. the film and like the fact that he's just like just a dude, like, is why it like doesn't, and you see so little of the girlfriend, anyways. Where it's not, I don't know, it it doesn't feel uh, complete at all.
0: I do kind of like how, like, you know, feeding into this bozo narrative, and the movie's definitely like, you know, th- he's not he's not a hero hero. You know what I mean? He he uh, he denies, you know, the corporatism of rock and roll, but still, like, the way he treats his girlfriend is poorly is kind of funny, just because like how they have that moment of reconciliation and then like he's just like. Get out of here. Like, stop. <laughs> Did you just come here to yell at my friends? And get out. It's, it is it is funny how, you know, non-respect, non-respectable respect non these guys are.
2: A lot of just, like, radio antics on this. A lot of good stuff in that department. Mm-hmm. At one point, Mike Judge calls into the uh, hostage radio show uh, as both Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it made me laugh. I, yeah. I, I'll admit it. I, I laugh at Beavis and Butthead.
0: I got caught off guard by it, and that's what I was just like a because nice we surprise. We got free
1: tickets to give away, but we are completely surrounded by cops. We need some feedback here. You're on the air. Whoa, am I on the air? Come on, buddy. Give me the
2: phone. <laughs> Am I speaking English? What did I just say, dipshit? Come on,
1: buddy. No way. Shut up, Beavis.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, so what do you guys want? Not the first time Mike Judge has done the Beavis and Butthead characters in an Adam Sandler movie. You know, real heads will remember 2017's Sandy Wexler, <laughs> which came out before Airheads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
1: uh, uh, uh. <laughs> oh another minor like performance that I really like is uh Chris Farley as like the cop like the one line he has I mean it's mostly just classic bumbling cop bullshit. But, like, when he says, holy shit, before he's pummeled, I yeah. think that, like, the the shot there of them is, like, some of the best direction in the movie.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, if you get a, if you get a nice push-in on Farley
0: going full freak-out mode, that's cinema gold right there. That's a version
1: of his holy
0: shnikes line. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like Farley in this, but I feel like maybe his sub... They don't really give him much to do. It is kind of like a lower register performance you, yeah. you're used to from Farley. He's not going big all the time. In fact, like... He's getting like, he's kind of timid in this one. He's yeah. getting made fun of by, uh, on, you know, onlooking rioters. And by the
2: way, the unexpected connection of the week, uh, the Magnolia moment of the week, Rob <laughs> Zombie <laughs> appearing in this film with White Zombie <laughs> when Chris Farley goes to the club. Uh, just amazing! I a, a chill went down my spine <laughs> when I saw White Zombie's name on the Whiskey Agogo marquee. <laughs> but in that scene, Chris Farley rips the guy's nipple ring off, and you expect him to like scream, like him to scream because it's Chris Farley. But he's just like, I improvised. It's like, <laughs> uh, all, all right, dude. witty Farley. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, his police partner when he first shows up is, of course, Sandler favorite Alan Cover. Yeah. Get in the role of a lifetime as a cop in this and in uh, the other 90s crime comedy that Adam Sandler did, Bulletproof.
0: Alan Covert, keep grinding on Twitter. I know the trolls. They're vicious.
2: I know. Alan Covert has to deal with more trolls than anyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you know, go rent his movies. I think a, uh, a portion of that goes back to him probably. Yeah, You know, support the guy.
2: You get the one like tactical cop who wants to go die hard mode and then he just kind of gets on the phone complaining about his wife cheating on him for the rest of the movie pretty much. And I guess it's implied toward the end that she was cheating on him with Adam Sandler when he was cleaning his pool. Oh. Or maybe it was just, he's just mad that there is a pool boy there. Yeah, that's how I read it. I don't know.
0: I feel like this movie wants you to believe that
2: that was Adam Sandler he was mad at. Well, I
0: think my, you know, I go back to my opening statement. I don't, I don't know, I don't know everything that this movie's trying to do. It's true. It's a very (laughs) dense political text. (laughs) I mean, I think it is, it is like a performance based movie where it's giving. You know areas for actors to give good performances. I mean, Joe Mantegna, I think, is hilarious, mm-hmm. and in this is kind of like the radio DJ slash promoter who's like kind of just promoting, you know, peddling bullshit he's not interested in mm-hmm. anymore, and he's kind of reinvigorated by these young, you know, punkish rockers. And uh, I don't know, he just has a a real, you know, he's wearing a funny Hawaiian shirt, and I'm I'm just uh, I'm just used to seeing him play so serious, like in David Mamet movies, and it was just a nice lacks change of pace you know to see him be a a rock loving radio dj
2: (laughs) well he complains that you know nowadays the rock music it ain't the same as it used
0: to be (laughs) yeah there hasn't been good rock music since john lennon died (laughs) Uh, 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 what a great line and then fraser predates you know uh uh, being online in 2012, you know, he's like, I don't even like the Beatles. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The edgies. Fraser Grow up. Yeah. That's
2: such a contrarian one o one take to yeah. have.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Brendan Fraser linking to Scaruffi's Beatles post. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that so many books. Another uh, undervalued asset in this film: Michael Richards, Kramer yeah. himself, uh, Tan Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> he's mainly shot in the dark, but I feel like he's a few shades darker than Kramer in this film. Like he got in the tanning bed for
1: this one. I mean, like, you stick him in the vents, and he like can't do that much like physical comedy. Yeah, like there's a yeah. the little bit where he accidentally lights his sleeve on fire, which I like, but like not much more for him there. That's,
0: exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Like, there's a lot of storylines in here that like I feel like, especially the Richard's ones, that doesn't really amount to anything. It's yeah. just like a, a a place to cut away to while the main plot is going on because. You know, as as kind of lightly pleasant as this movie is, like it does kind of feel like like we do stay in that radio DJ location mm-hmm. a little too long, and it kind of just runs out of ideas there. And uh, yeah, for a ninety minute movie, it does. I was I was checking the time a little bit. It does kind of like a little bit. it does slog a tiny bit. Yeah. But hey, you know I don't want to be too harsh.
2: What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> so you get about an hour and a half if you know typical very light hostage negotiation uh
0: that genre uh, mm. with comedy actors i mean you know it's i i did kind of say oh this is a deep movie before i mean not exactly you know yeah, oh I no, mean? no you were joking <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah, 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 okay. yeah. well I, I think it is trying to i don't know it's trying to say something with those the kind of the joe Mantinega brendan fraser talking about rock music scene It kind of i feel like he's like a michael layman you know being a we all saw Heather's. We know he likes satire, right? Like, I think he's trying to make a little commentary about the emptiness of the music industry. But uh, yeah, it's It's a light message. Yeah, if you want a message about that, just watch Decline of Western Civilization Part 2. True, but the, they don't have. Uh, I guess there are some funny characters in that movie. That so, movie's exactly. way funnier than Airheads. Exactly, I got to yeah. say.
2: Oh, man, that makes me like Airheads less now <laughs> that there's a documentary that's funnier than this.
0: That's true. That is one of the rare documentaries that's funny.
2: Yeah, I've talked, I think I may have mentioned that on this pod before, but definitely like the funniest nonfiction film ever probably is Decline Part 2. When you get to the point where it's like you get the record label in on the hostage negotiation and Brendan Fraser symbolically wipes his uh, bottom with the record contract and then someone says... He wiped his ass with the contract. Uh, (laughs) Respect. Yeah. It's like, all right. It feels a little overwritten in spots. Like I get that they're trying to give everyone their due because there are quite a few like great actors in this Mm -hmm. that some of them hadn't been like big names at that point yet. Some of them had been good movies already. Yeah. But it it feels like maybe you're trying to cram too much in. And at the same time, there's really not much going on too. Yeah. Yeah. So it escalates fully to the point where their last demand to the police who just give them everything. Uh, I mean, they make a point to show the police as like, you know uh, brutalizing people with ease yeah Uh, but also they show them as just like giving in to all the demands which is kind of a strange take, i guess and i
1: mean it's like there's the whole the classic the feds coming in and screwing over the local cops and like the local cop guy is depicted as like insanely sympathetic
2: oh yeah Mm -hmm. totally and he's just like he's just trying to do his job man yeah well (laughs) take a look at what that job (laughs) is
0: reevaluate that guy in airheads yeah
2: yeah I think when Chris when that guy takes Chris Farley's badge off I think that makes him not a cop anymore so the final demand is to set up this big televised concert which is hilarious just this chopper comes in with like a a, st- a stage set up and everything and of course uh there's no sound equipment because it's all going to be uh lip synced and i guess you know lip syncing was like the the issue du true. jour back then you know everyone cared oh those guys lip sync oh
0: my god you know whatever
2: It sucks or it's bad i don't know we I, actually
1: lip sync all the podcasts that's yeah. true
0: I guess you'd rather musicians play the music live, but uh, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, who cares? I bet, I bet all those, you know, people in the 90s mad now, they (laughs) open TikTok and they go nuts. (laughs) So when they reject the notion of selling out,
2: you know, Mm -hmm. despite having a record contract and a way out of jail time handed to them, uh, they decide to just. Go FU mode, uh, rock and roll will never die. And uh, they end up in jail. And it's a nice fade of them smashing the stage to them playing in jail. Uh, I actually kind of like that moment. It felt it was a weirdly understated narrative beat, mm-hmm. but it works really well for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get that classic Albert Brooks style yeah. <laughs> ending. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. They're gonna do eight months in jail and then go tour because they're a big rock band now. And it's kind of like King of Comedy, I guess. But King of Comedy had that ambiguity, uh, you know, uh, about the ending, and this one
1: is it's- just like. Good job, guys. Rock and roll. Yeah, you don't really need it. It's so, like, yeah. a, like, a way too explicit to just, like, oh, well, I feel really good about those characters that they got those things. <laughs> like, yeah. you just, with the inference alone of them having that big rock show uh, in jail, like, you can be like, oh, well, things are positive now. Yeah.
2: A lot of bad stuff came up on this talk, but you know what? I had a good time watching it on the whole. Like, I was checking my uh, checking my clock once in a while. Yeah, Actually, extended clip Confessions I split this into two chunks because I had my first day of school today. I was nice. only able to get through the first hour. Then I watched the last half hour. You know, it's not good when a ninety minute film is better in two chunks, probably. Yeah, uh, but I'm still giving this one three bullets. I think it's a good movie.
0: no, yeah. I mean, i I, I like I said, it's uh, lightly likable. I'm gonna go three bullets as well. I mean, yeah, I, I, there's you could nit, there's a lot to nitpick and there's a lot of bits that don't land. maybe, you know, some some knots that don't get tied. but, it's just interesting to see these actors perform, I think, just to see Joe Mantegna kind of take this role, see Sandler play third fiddle. I mean, Buscemi, who's like, I, I mean, I don't know if he's given like primo material, but does his job, yeah. has a cool long haircut. I kind of
2: like the more understated Buscemi performances where he's yeah. just kind of got to let the other people do their thing and bounce off them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that kind of shows his, you know, range, I guess. True.
0: And. I mean, a movie that rests on the shoulders of Brendan Fraser, who does a pretty decent job.
2: Exactly. So,
0: um, you know, I, I got to look out for this Brendan Fraser guy. Maybe check out for Revengeance or something like that. But JT, what do, you, what do you think?
1: Um, I'm also a member of the Three Bullet Club this week. This was a uh, lightly pleasant movie. It's just gentle. It's yeah. like it goes down easy enough. There's yeah. nothing to really piss me off that much about it. Like, it's like, it's not great. But it's like it will get you there. It it gets you where you're going.
2: There is one really great shot, I will say, Mm -hmm. or there are I think two really great shots. The one we mentioned earlier, where he's shooting his hot sauce Uzi at his burrito. Uh, And the other one is when Adam Sandler is hooking up with the secretary uh, at the radio station. And, you know, you get a nice push in on them, but then the push in just keeps going past them. And you see a reflection of our old friend, Michael Richards, (laughs) the man in the vents, (laughs) just looking down, judging like God uh, (laughs) as he is in this film, truly the God of this film. (laughs) True. And I
0: I feel like this movie has an early understanding of Sandler's boyish charisma. Yeah. And his ability to, you know, quote unquote, you know,
2: get girls that are way hotter than him or whatever. (laughs) We've already talked about this, but man, I hate when people talk about that with Adam Sandler. It's like, yeah, they're going to date Adam Sandler.
0: It's Adam Sandler. What are you talking about? True. We got to stop this thing that. Ugly people can't date attractive people. <laughs>
1: and he's like, he's hot in no, this movie. Yeah. Like he's yeah. he's like a good-looking young man. He's, he's
0: looking good in grown-ups too. I was gonna say yeah. he's, if you watch the do-over, he's like ripped. He has like abs in that movie. <laughs> it's insane. He's a god. He also, also for anyone who's legitimately a- attracted to Adam Sandler, I guess there's a scene in the do-over where he sucks <laughs> a phallus-like object, like a gives it a blowjob for like a good ten seconds. It's pretty, pretty dist- not disturbed, but just like. <laughs> that's that's out of uh sandler's range usually he's not usually sucking on (laughs) dick-like objects in his movies so it's true check it out (laughs) usually (laughs) not i i can't wait to
2: watch that one that's one of the only sandlers i have left uh including one of his newer films you know I, i i was shocked when jt slid me the document that contained our picks for next week's episode. I was shocked and appalled that he would select two new releases and then I took a hard look at that double feature and I said, how can you resist these two great auteurs? Can he do this? Is he allowed? (laughs) JT, what are our selections for next week?
1: 2020 has been freaking awful, man. I like hate it and like, I'm ready for it to be over, dude. But... (laughs) I like, God, it sucks.
0: I wish I could just fall asleep (laughs) just wake up on November 4th. (laughs) Uh,
1: um, But no, there's like there are some things that I've been looking forward to this year that COVID and Donald J. Trump are not going to take away from me and uh, their days and Hubie Halloween. Um, Hubie Halloween continuing our sort of the, the the spooky-ishness. We'll see how spooky it actually is. But yeah, I'm excited for these two brand spanking new pictures fresh out the box.
2: I mean, who do we love more on Extended Clip than Simon Lang and Adam Sandler? It's it's really, there's only a few
0: people in that category. That's true. This is kind of, it'll be a victory lap episode, I predict. I'm predicting a big victory lap for uh, all three I of sure us. I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I I see great things in the future. Rodney King! Rodney King!
2: Rodney King! Rodney King! Rodney King! Rodney King! Rodney
1: King! Rodney King! Holy shit. Rodney King. What's that supposed to mean?